Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you with us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump in, buckle up, and join me for another ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most essential industry to mankind, farming and ranching. In the news today, Texas cotton production is taking a big jump this year. That's not unexpected, especially when you consider all the rain that we've had. We'll take a look at what the actual estimates are coming out of USDA right now. And it's been a really good year for Texas pecan production. We'll check out those numbers as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The new congressman for the Texas Panhandle says... He's spending a lot of time with local ag producers learning what they do and what they need in the ag policy arena. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A global market assessment for the Texas orange industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. James Duncan from East Texas and hot weather and slow delivery on repair parts is causing us difficulty in the hayfields of East Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas cotton production forecast shows a big jump in both cotton acreage and production this year compared to a year ago, which was expected given the weather situation. USDA forecasts our cotton acreage at 5.25 million acres. That's up 64% from last year. Total production expected to be 8.6 million bales. That's an 88% increase from 2020. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says the biggest surprise from USDA was the 100 pound per acre increase in yield. This is a bold change in the numbers. It is based, as I was hoping, what I'm used to this time of the year. They go out in the field and do what they call objective field sampling. They go out and count bowls. And they went out, in, according to their report, they went out in Texas and sampled around 500 took around 500 samples out in the field. You know, I guess they probably go to a meter of row and count all the bowls and measure them and whatever. And they plug that into a formula and they're coming up with a very large yield and a, and a very large month over month adjustment. A lot of people are going to find that somewhat hard to believe. Especially when you consider the drop in USDA's Texas cotton crop ratings over the last couple of weeks. At one point, 68% of our crop was rated good to excellent. However, in the most recent report released on Monday, that number had dropped to 58% good to excellent, with 36% rated fair and 6% rated poor to very poor. It has been a good year for Texas pecans. 
Dr. Larry Stein, a horticulturalist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says pecan growers are expecting above-average quality and yields this year thanks to spring and summer rains. He says pecan samples have had a good nut fill and trees are in excellent shape. While a warm, wet spring and summer has been good for pecan fill, it's also meant some diseases like scab and heavier infestation of stink bugs in some areas. Scab can cause lesions on pecan shucks and interfere with nut fill. Stink bugs can cause a bitter taste. The good news is most commercial growers maintain aggressive monitoring and control regimens for insects and diseases. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas corn growers expected to harvest a bigger crop this year. The latest forecast, 238 million bushels. That's up 3% from last year. Statewide yields expected to average 140 bushels per acre. Total acres harvested for grain expected to be 1.7 million acres. That's down 6% from last year. The new congressman for the Texas Panhandle says he's spending a lot of time with Texas farmers and ranchers, learning what they need in the ag policy arena. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. As we talked about in yesterday's report, the Texas Panhandle's new congressman, Republican Ronnie Jackson, is disappointed that he couldn't obtain a seat on the House Ag Committee for his first term in office. But Jackson believes Republicans will be back in the majority in 2023 and he'll be placed on the Ag Committee in his second term. In the meantime, Jackson is gaining experience in the Ag Policy Arena as a co-chair of the Texas Ag Task Force, a group of Republican House members from our state. And he's also expanding his knowledge in his travels around the 13th Congressional District. I'm very enthusiastic and very passionate about taking care of farmers, but my learning curve has been a little bit steep as far as learning. But I've been super aggressive. I come home to the district every single opportunity I get. We got sworn in on January 3rd. I've been back to the district almost 50 times since then. So I'm back essentially every single week. I'm back for anywhere from three to four days every week and longer than that when we're not in session. When I'm back, I go out to cotton gins. I go to feed yards. I go to dairies. I go out on farms. All I do is engage with farmers, ranchers, and talk about the ag issues that we have because I want to use this time as a co-chair for the Texas Ag Task Force on not only educating myself on the farm issues, but getting everything locked and loaded, ready to go, So when the farm bill rolls around next term, we have all of our ducks in a row and we know exactly what our plan is and we can attack it aggressively from day one. And when it comes to the farm bill and other ag policy matters, Jackson says he's focused on pushing back against the Democratic Party agenda. The Dems are all about tax, spend and regulate. That's really what they do for the most part. And those things are lethal to family farms. I talked with Congressman Jackson following his meeting with local Texas Farm Bureau leaders Monday night in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is a big global market for Texas oranges. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. The Texas A&M University Center for North American Studies recently completed a global market assessment on the Texas orange industry at the request of the Texas Department of Agriculture. To talk more about uh, the study, we go to the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller, and he joins us today from Austin. 
Now, why did TDA request a global market assessment of the Texas orange industry from Texas A&M University? Well, actually, since I've become commissioner, I launched a global outreach initiative where we're taking Texas products around the globe. It's been very successful. Tom, we actually did 15 items on our uh, commodities that we targeted on this research. Uh, Oranges was one of them. So we need to gather all this, the data we can in the research as to what the tariffs are, who's exporting, you know, who's our possible customers. So it's very, very helpful to our commodities, you know, people in the commodity business. We just do this to, you know, help out our producers, our exporters, even our importers can use this information on uh, moving Texas agriculture products is what it's all about. It helps us. Now, what were some of the findings as they relate to the market for Texas oranges, which, of course, are exclusively grown and produced in the Texas Rio Grande Valley? Well, what we found out, the largest producer globally is Brazil. The next producers are China and European market. Those two added together equal what Brazil does. Uh, United States, we're, we're, we're down a ways. Texas is third, but behind Florida and California. Our export market currently is Canada. I will have more with Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller, on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The heat is on here in September in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. East Texas is always hot this time of the year, and we kind of sort of expect that. And it's good if we get a little moisture along the way, but that's been a little bit light lately. But we can kind of live with that also. The problem that we run into today is part delivery on broken equipment that we have to get repaired. It is just terrible, the wait time that we're having. I talked to one producer this week that says, Hey, I have had to wait 10 days just to get the part in and then to get repairman out to get it done. So you're losing a week, 10 days, two weeks there. You're going to lose a hay crop like that because that that hay, when it's laying there and uh, the mowing machine broke down and the rake breaks, well, bam, there you are. You're being held up. It's difficult for us right now, and it's one of the problems that we're facing. Well, COVID is everywhere, and we know that, and that's a difficult thing to deal with on the farm as well as anywhere else. We just have to kind of learn to deal with it as we go along. We see a lot of disc running right now, getting ready to plant winter grazing pastures for our calves here in East Texas. It's something that we do that works real well. It kind of helps us, too, in our deer food plot planting because some of those pastures turn into big deer blind areas <laughs> every time you turn around. October, bow season starts then, so we'll be ready for that, and then the gun season in December. We're not having that big a difficulty with the army worms right now. We get that moisture come in here, though it might be that we do that. And we'll be looking forward to all of the winter grazing, but right now we are just having excellent grazing conditions at this present time, and we're looking forward to that when it comes about. But look, one of the things that beef cattleman always wants is more for his calves, and our cow-calf producers would like to see the price on those calves come on up in the sale barn just a little bit. Might help us out a whole lot in a lot of areas. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. There is good news for South Texas quail hunters. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And liver disease is not common in horses, but it does happen. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Liver disease is not common in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says when it does occur, it's usually due to toxins the horse has eaten. Signs of liver disease include decreased appetite, depression, colic, yawning, behavioral abnormalities, and the yellowish coloration to the mucous membranes. Many plants contain a chemical called pyrazolidine alkaloids, and horses ingesting these plants over a long period can develop disease. Some of these plants known to contain this chemical are senecio and ground cell, and these plants are not generally eaten by horses unless there is nothing else to eat or it's baled in the hay. Cockleburr is another plant common in Texas, and the two-leaf stage seedlings contain a large amount of a toxic chemical. The seedlings emerge early in the spring before lots of other plants are growing and are readily consumed by horses. It is important in the early spring to make sure horses have good quality hay and do not have access to these cockleburr seedlings. Aflatoxin is a common toxin produced by moles on multiple different grains, especially when the plants have been stressed by drought or insects. The mold can even grow on stored grain if it is stored in warm and damp conditions, and the toxin can be present without even seeing mold on the grain. Always purchase feed from reputable sources that is stored in a cool, dry location, and if the grain has not been tested for aflatoxin, send it off for testing. Another toxin is blue-green algae that I have talked about before, as under certain conditions, these microscopic organisms undergo rapid growth called an algal bloom on stock ponds, and many of these organisms produce a toxin that affects the liver. So if you see a farm pond with the colored sheen of an algal bloom on the top, remove animals from this pasture and use another source of water. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is good news for South Texas quail hunters. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Although this spring and summer have been much cooler and wetter than previous years, we are still seeing the impacts of previous year's droughts on bobwhite quail populations in the rolling plains of Texas. John McLaughlin, Upland Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says while there is a reason to temper quail hunting expectations on the rolling plains, the forecast is quite different for bobwhite quail in South Texas. Last year, they had quite a productive year and actually accounted for about 80% of the the statewide harvest last year. And they had some good carryover. They caught that May to July rainfall. You know, range, habitat conditions look great in that part of the state. And so I would say that despite the low survey numbers that we have in our forecast will be coming out in the next couple of weeks, we expect above average good to very good hunting in South Texas, especially for those areas east of I-35, including the Sand Sheet. So think Brooks, Kennedy, Clayburgh counties, and then 
anywhere west of 35 out to Del Rio, we also expect above average to, to good hunting conditions. Quail hunting season opens statewide October 30th. And McLaughlin says there's a new opportunity for hunters this year. We do have a new hunt available through our draw system, which is a private lands quail hunt in Lipscomb County, which is up in the northeast panhandle, if you're not familiar. So this is a great opportunity to get out on a private ranch and, and pursue some birds. And we do know that numbers are generally a little bit better up in that part of the state. And so 36 permits available. The application deadline is October 15th. It's a $10 application. Uh, you can find that on our website. I would encourage folks who may not have a readily accessible place to go hunt that they could pursue that opportunity. That was John McLaughlin with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a mixed close in the cattle market on Thursday while live cattle moved lower, feeder cattle moved higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Thursday, mostly lower on live cattle, mixed for the feeder cattle market. Here's how we wrapped up on live cattle prices. October down 57 at 123.60. December down 87, 128.57. The February down 50 cents at 132.65. Feeder cattle higher on the nearbys, lower on deferred. September feeders up $1.15 at 155.87. October up 60 cents, 157.10. November feeder cattle down 27, 157.30. Cash fed cattle trade. Still seeing some sales as we move through the end of the week here. A couple of thousand head reported sold in Texas. All of those cattle brought 124. As you move up north, Kansas reporting cattle sold at 123 to 124 this week. In Nebraska, we're looking at 125 on a live basis, $200 on the rail. Boxed beef was lower on Thursday. Choice down $1.58, 31824. Select down 209 at 281.80. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's go to Kenny Mingus, Milam County Livestock. He sold them last Friday. That means he'll sell again tomorrow. Kenny, how'd last week go? Larry, we had a total of 2101. Out of that mix, we had about 250 cows and bulls, about 240 sellers, and about 75 buyers. Well, let's walk the pens. All right, we'll start with the steers under 300, a dollar 10 to 230. Three to four hundred pound steers, a dollar to two twelve fifty. Four to five hundred pound steers, ninety to two o two fifty, and over five hundred eighty to one sixty eight. On the heifers, three hundred, a dollar five to two dollars. Three to four hundred pound heifers, ninety five to one seventy. Four to five hundred pound heifers, eighty to one seventy two, and over five hundred seventy to a dollar fifty two. Hiker cow steady from thirty to seventy six. 
Packer Bull 70 to 99. On your bred cows from four and a quarter to 1200, and on your cow calf pairs from 950 to 1600. But the quality was awful good, and then, you know, once again, it started kind of dictating, you know, what these cattle bring. What do you uh, know for next week? We've got a little sellout deal on some cows. There's 75 cows coming from one man, some crossbred cows, be a few pairs on them, uh, mostly palpated cows. Cows will be some from a braver cow to a good black cow. Kind of young to middle-aged is what he described them to me. Should be bred back to Brangus bulls. Fifteen of those cows will be some Hereford cows supposed to be coming with their second baby. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny Mingus. You bet. Just catch us at the office Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. You can follow us on our webpage at milancountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Kenny, thank you a bunch. You bet. Have a good week. We sure will. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host. I'm Larry Marble, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Took a big jump on Thursday. October hogs up 320 to close at 85.47. December hogs up 220, 74.45. Class 3 milk slightly higher. September up 3 cents, 1661. 100 weight. October milk up 5 at 1720. A higher U.S. dollar putting pressure on the cotton market Thursday. We were lower across the board with October cotton down 126 points, 93.41. December cotton down 86 at 92.51. Harvest pressure coming into the corn market now. We're having harvest results come out of the corn belt, and that tends to pressure prices at this time of year. December corn down 4 cents, 5.29 and a half. March corn down four, five thirty-six and three quarters. The wheat market finishing mostly higher, especially in the hard wheat market. December Kansas City wheat up four and a half, seven twenty and a half. New crop July up three and three quarters at seven twenty-two a bushel. A mixed close on soft wheat in Chicago. December wheat up three quarters, seven thirteen. July Chicago wheat down three and a half, seven oh six and three quarters. Rough rice was lower. November down ten and a half, thirteen sixty-eight and a half. November soybeans down one and a half at twelve ninety-six a bushel. October soybean meal up four thirty at three forty twenty a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas down fourteen cents, five thirty-one. October crude oil up three, seventy-two sixty-four a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher on Thursday. The Dow up 10 points, 34,824. The Nasdaq up 24, 15,186. The S&P unchanged at 4,481. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.